0: During the course of the year, hundreds of thousands of dollars are raised from the public to help provide hospitals with specialised equipment needed to enhance a patient's recovery or to provide them with distractions during their enforced stay. Have you ever thought about the people and the organisations that voluntarily give up their time and often money for these causes? How are they recruited and how is such a group coordinated and looked after? To take us through the stages and explain the workings of a couple of these, I'm delighted to introduce to you two ladies who have spent many years in this service. They are Mrs. Freddie Bird, Regional Representative for the Hunter of the United Hospital Auxiliary, UHA, of New South Wales Incorporated, and Mrs. Margaret McNaughton AM, former Lady Mayoress of Newcastle and patron of the John Hunter Children's Hospital Kids Club. Ladies, thank you both very much for being here today. Freddie, I'd like to start the program with you by asking you to explain to us about UHA. When did UHA come into being?
1: It came into being in 1933. It was um, thought up by some very, very brainy people, apparently, because the founding fathers set the uh, principle that all monies earned by each auxiliary in their own hospital, the money has to then go into their their hospital. Nothing comes down to the head office in Sydney.
0: Why was it started? Was it because the auxiliaries were separated and they needed a, a central body?
1: I think that it was more of a uh, of a protection. Uh, because uh, insurance comes into this, of course. Mm. Uh, they're all completely covered by insurance, by the UHA, and it's, it is a bonding process. Uh, we get together once a year for a state conference. It, it just helps. We, each auxiliary seems to help the other auxiliaries in their own particular region.
0: Mm. You mentioned about the conferences being held in Sydney. Do you ever go outside Sydney for, for these conferences?
1: Yes, over the past few years, we have uh, brought in uh, as a resolution mm. uh, that we hold a country conference every second year. Actually, this all commenced in the year 2000 when the Olympics were on and Sydney was a premium for us to try and get accommodation, etc. Mm. So it was suggested by the then state president, Jan Maskell, that we go outside of Sydney and she contacted me and asked would curry curry be acceptable that Mm. is that the TAFE Mm. at curry which has tremendous facilities very big auditorium Mm. and accommodation and so that was the first time that we'd moved outside and realized how good it was because the majority of members are country Mm. so uh, from then on we've been to Tamworth we've been to Dubbo and this year we are going to Griffith
0: how far does the area for New South Wales cover? I mean, what are the boundaries? Is it the actual state boundaries? Exactly. I- exactly, the, the, state the state boundaries. Full state. You cover a lot between you.
1: You cover a lot of miles. Exactly, yes. And I mean, my mileage, of course, is mainly um, in the Hunter mm. because I look after... There's 16 hospitals now in the Hunter that... When I started, there were over 20, but uh, because we're a very ageing group and we find recruitment very hard, some of them have had to close because of their membership Mm. dropping. Mm. So exactly
0: where does the hunter start and and stop?
1: To the west, Uh, It's Meriwaw, uh, to the north, Marirundi, across to Bulladila, and to the south, Belmont.
0: So it really is a lot of miles between, Mm. and you've got 16 hospitals or auxiliaries that you look after. That's right, that's right. Is the organisation run on the basis of executive members with a president and treasurer, etc.? Do you mean the central executive
1: in Sydney? Yes. The central executive consists of a president, deputy state president, and treasurer, The secretary is a paid employee of the office. Our office is in the uh, Health Department building in Sydney. We are an NGO and we are funded by the government.
0: What about the auxiliaries themselves? Do they have Mm. an executive or do they just have a rep?
1: Yes, they, they have a president, a secretary and a treasurer and vice presidents. The president, in that case, uh, in the auxiliaries, uh, they are elected yearly Mm. but they can serve three years unless they are unopposed and then Mm. they can go back in again Mm. for another term.
0: Your position in the auxiliary, though, is not quite the same as that, is it? Your terms are longer?
1: Yes. The regional representatives are elected every three years. Mm. You serve a three-year term and you can only serve four three-year terms.
0: And what happens at the end of 12 years, which is the maximum you can do, do you then go back to just being an ordinary member, or in your case, will you be ready to retire?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know that I'd ever be ready to retire, (laughs) Uh, but uh, yes, I will go back to being an ordinary member of my uh, um, auxiliary here in Newcastle.
0: So how does a, a member get to be elected to go on to the executive? Is it simply you're nominated by another member and then you can have an election.
1: Uh, There is an election, yes. Uh, In my case, uh, it's a little bit different. My predecessor was Frida Bailey, a member of the Maitland Hospital Auxiliary, and uh, she died suddenly. And so I was approached by the President at the time and Mm. asked, would I take the position? And because it is only every three years, Mm. when I said yes, I have to then just served for nine months before I came up for my first election.
0: Mm.
1: And then it's continued from there.
0: When you became the representative, had you been involved with the UHA for before that as a as an auxiliary member?
1: Oh Yes, I'd been in Mike's the John Hunter site carers. Mm. Uh, I've been a member of that auxiliary uh, for some years.
0: What happens when you stay with the organisation but you feel the time might have come to retire and you haven't finished your term? Do they they sort of just replace you, or do they leave the position open these days?
1: They can have an election, mm. uh, but normally, uh, in the case of it happens happening suddenly, mm. there is a deputy, I have a deputy, oh, right. and that person steps in.
0: So the position is always
1: filled all the way through? Oh, yes, mm.
0: yes. Do you have any special duties involved in your position, other than, of course, attending for and your general meetings of the auxiliary. You get called on
1: for other duties? I'm available. We might as well say 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week. Uh, I get phone calls from the auxiliaries in the valley, and, you know, we solve problems, mm. and um, they ask for advice and perhaps something that needs explanation. So I'm really on call uh, mm. in the meantime, and I do visit. I do visit the auxiliaries.
0: During the time that you've been in the position you've got now... How much money has been raised within the organisation that you look after?
1: For the hunter. Mm. For the hunter, um, for the term that I've been in, which uh, is 10 years, Mm. $11,124,146. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That is a
0: tremendous effort.
1: By our little ladies and gentlemen beavering away day in, day out. Isn't that wonderful?
0: You're listening to Wellbeing and I'm talking today to Mrs. Freddie Bird. My second guest is very well known in Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. She's Mrs. Margaret McNaughton. Margaret, I know that you're very much involved with the community in Newcastle and in particular the John Hunter Children's Kids Club. Why was
2: the Kids Club formed and when? Well, it was started just after the hospital uh, opened at the John Hunter and uh, it was just a children's ward then, and Dr Cliff Hosking's approached me and asked if we could perhaps start a little fundraising group because the needs that the children had in the hospital were not being addressed. There simply wasn't enough uh, money in the medical pie to go around Mm. and there were specific things that children need to uh, uh, help them to have a a more comfortable stay and uh, I gathered a few friends around me and approached them and asked if they would be interested in helping and uh, that's how it started. And uh, it was about 1993, 92, 93 that we started. I can remember one of the
0: first things that you were asked to raise money for was sheepskins for the kids. Yes, um, that's right. And it was such an enormous amount of money. It was something like $600 or something, wasn't it, for the 10?
2: Yes, it, were, it was 350 which we thought was an enormous amount of money at that time because <laughs> we didn't have anything. But the the sorts of things that they were they started off needing were just scraps of paper from people's um, old photocopying machines and crayons just to amuse the children because there was just nothing no toys, no televisions nothing. So uh, it's progressed and then it was our, that was the really the very first thing because the children were getting bed sores and uh, we were asked especially with the babies would we be able to provide these sheepskins and it's just gone from there. Margaret, when the Kids
0: Club was formed then, it was simply a children's ward within the John Hunter Hospital. That's right. How did it come to be, the John Hunter Children's Hospital, what happened in that process to make them almost
2: autonomous? We were finding that a lot of money that um, was being raised uh, wasn't enough because while we were um, a children's ward, uh, we had the numbers, we were about 40% of the numbers that were uh, down at Westmead and the other uh, children's hospitals, Westmead and Sydney Children's Hospital, but we weren't getting the government funding that would uh, subscribe to that and bring us, um, give us the extra funding. So... Uh, we, we thought it would be a good idea, and our president, who is still our president, Frank Rigby, approached Tim Smythe with the, uh, the idea that uh, because we um, had so many numbers and our area of service stretches from here to the Queensland border, so we have an enormous area mm. from the central coast right up to the Queensland border, and we thought that we really warranted the status of... Uh, a children's hospital and by having uh, that status it would also elevate the, the status of the John Hunter hospital which had been going through a rather a rough patch with the community and uh, when uh, it was acknowledged that uh, we sh- it would become mm. a, hos- a, a hospital within its own right we still don't have our own building but we are a hospital within a hospital
0: mm. so when did the children's hospital get involved with UHA
2: well we we actually started the kids club uh mm. became involved with UHA before the uh, it became the children's ward became officially a children's hospital mm. so, so it's it's uh, a
0: fair few years that you've been involved or part of uhA yes we've yeah. been involved in a, for about twelve years now in just for the kids' club in the time it's what 10 12 years uh, 14 14, 14 years. years have you any idea how much money that's been it's been raised for the in that auxiliary
2: yes we've raised about 1.8 million dollars which is that's uh, not bad going either <laughs> is it? Well, <laughs> it, it isn't considering the uh you know the, the number of people who are working and mm-hmm. doing things for us and uh it might not be as grand as some of the totals in the, the other auxiliaries in Sydney, you know, where there is a lot more money, and for the children's hospitals. Um, they've got greater pools to, to call on, but we're very, very proud. We have a, a wonderful community rapport, uh, and that's, that's something that's priceless. No money will buy
0: that. So what sort of things have, have they been doing to raise that money?
2: Well, the, uh, we have a, a very, very supportive groups within the community who uh, run functions and do things for us and uh, then donate things for the, the last 10 years. We've had the uh, Hunter Turners who have been staging the uh, craft show at the entertainment centre every year and giving us the proceeds, which has been averaging about $45,000 every mm. year. And that's come from the uh, she-hard work of the volunteers of the wood turners. So that's typical mm. of what is doing, you know, people do it. And uh, our own auxiliary runs stalls in the foyer of the uh, John Hunter Hospital. And the, the things that we have to um, stock the stall come from various groups in the community who donate them to us to sell, you know, crafts and uh, various things like items like that. So the crafts are, are often knitted garments and rugs and, and those sorts of things? Yes, and coat hangers yeah. or anything that's um, of, of a crafty nature. So we're very lucky. And we also have a group of us go to the harness trotting who have been very obliging and allowing us to run a raffle there mm. on a Saturday night, and uh, the, the the money that's generated from that is usually about averages six to eight hundred dollars. And one of the prizes is invariably a piece of craft that somebody has donated for us to be able to raffle. And I might add that it's always the the uh, the, the high point. People would rather have that, even though it's third prize, than, yeah. than the first and second prizes. When you get the money in, how do you dis- dispense
0: it to the hospital? Do they give you a wish list and say, we would like to have, or do you say, we've got, what would you like to do with it? Which
2: way round does it go? Well, in reality, the staff meet every month and they have a a prioritising of their wish lists because each department, obviously, you see, there are 7,000 inpatients there as children inpatients and 14,000 outpatients and 15,000 go through the emergency department every year. So it's quite a large establishment. Mm and uh, the staff prioritise their needs. Sometimes it's uh, the, the most urgent thing is not necessarily uh, the the most costly or the most, but it's, it just happens to be the most urgent thing of that, that particular month. They prioritise it, and uh, a representative comes to our meeting and says, these are the things we would like. Uh, so we rarely refuse anything that's there it would only be if it was uh, because we, we simply didn't have enough funds but so far that hasn't been the case
0: Sometimes Margaret I know that if they ask for something big or costly that you will not be able to raise all the funds but you give a, a big proportion of the funds and I'm thinking about the, the humi- humi- for the helicopter yes. um, what proportion of the cost of that did the kids club provide
2: I was very, very proud of the, uh, the NICU staff who organised that, and um, Dr. Andrew Craven came to see us and ask if uh, we would assist with that. Yeah. And uh, it was going to cost 180000 but they themselves raised a lot of that through grants and through uh, functions. Yeah. And finally, we said we would pick up uh, any shortfall, and it was only $15,000 that we needed to make up, which That's is wonderful. all credit to the NICU mm-hmm. staff.
0: NICU is the...
2: Neonatal mm-hmm. Intensive Care Unit, which cares for yeah. the preemie babies.
0: Margaret, what sort of things do you provide? And I know you do for equipment and that sort of thing, but you also provided toys and amusement and things to keep the kids happy. What sort of things do you provide for that?
2: Well, our motto is to to make the, the children stay in the John Hunter Children's Hospital as pleasant and as comfortable as possible. So we provide any toys that are needed. Um, We've provided televisions for every area where children are around the hospital, such as in the emergency department, and a playing area and a playground equipment outside the hospital. And we also uh, subsidise the play therapist Uh, with the equipment that she needs um, to uh, care for the children while they're in hospital and entertain them. So whatever is needed and the play therapist and all of the other speech pathologists and all of these people will inform us of what they need. Mm. So uh, we, we just provide them. That's what you work for. That's right.
0: You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and my guests today are Mrs. Freddie Bird, the regional representative for the Hunter with United Hospital Auxiliary, and Mrs. Margaret McNaughton, patron of the John Hunter Hospital Kids Club. Freddie, how important do you think it is to have organisations like UHA?
1: Oh, I think I think it's very very important because uh, it um, it coordinates uh, all the auxiliaries and keeps them together. Uh, we have tremendous conferences, statewide conferences, and uh, it, it's a two day conference, and everybody enjoys themselves, and we mix uh, and we share uh, fundraising ideas, uh, etc., and also we pass resolutions. Uh, to the government where if we think something needs change we bring that up and discuss it and then if it passes through our conference Mm. it's then passed on to the government.
0: If there are groups of people raising money for their local hospital how important is it that they become a member of UHA?
1: I think that uh, uh, as I said it it is a blanket cover and it's, it's important that they do this so that they can coordinate with other auxiliaries mix and uh, and have various means of making money but uh, also it's a protective measure it it makes it so much more interesting if they're doing something outside just the work they're doing for their auxiliaries Mm. to bring forward things to the government that just the normal run of people consider should be addressed.
0: Mm. Are there comparable organisations in other states?
1: I believe so uh, I'm not sure. We, we're not like, say, for instance, the CWA, which is nationwide. Mm. I'm, I'm sure that there must be other organisations. I know definitely Queensland mm. uh, because I, I know somebody you know from that area. But I would say that it, it would, would be in each state.
0: If somebody was a member of an auxiliary or was thinking about joining an auxiliary and they're not living in within New South Wales. How would they go about finding out if there was such an organisation?
1: They could uh, probably ring the health department mm-hmm. in their state mm-hmm. because uh, we operate underneath the health department and I would presume they would too. Mm.
0: Margaret, the Kids Club has a lot of people who, as you were saying earlier, who, who knit and embroider and, and things for the stalls. How do these groups get started? Is it just... You know somebody, let's sit down and, and have an afternoon of knitting. Is that how they get going?
2: Sometimes, yes. Uh, there's a particular group that uh, started up in the retirement village at uh, Shoal Bay and they just uh, sat in one another's units and uh, decided that they would help by uh, creating these amazing craft things, then would just contact us and, and say, Would you come up and uh, collect the things? We've, we've made them knitted toys and everything for the stall. Mm. But uh, I find too, as I go around to the nursing homes to entertain, uh, and I talk about the because they like to keep involved, mm. I've found that many of the um, activity officers will uh, encourage those who are able to do it, to knit and to crochet and do rugs for them. And when I return for a visit or they'll ring me up and say, we've got some things for you. And that in itself is a two-way street because the the residents of the nursing homes or the aged care facilities feel that they're part of the community, that Mm -hmm. they're contributing. They're not uh, just redundant anymore and just sidelined into uh, one of these facilities mm. so they feel as though they're involved and they, they're helping and they're contributing and their sense of well-being is uh, raised and, and yeah. it's, it's so as well as helping us because we sell the goods and raise the money to buy the equipment for the children they know that this is happening we in turn send them a thank you letter and a certificate of appreciation which goes up on the wall and uh, it's this self-esteem's raised so it's 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 really a good feeling
0: can anyone get involved in fundraising Um, do they have to be a group or can they just sort of I've got some knitting I want to do crocheting making toys or whatever can they just um, do this and then contact the the kids club in our case
2: the kids club and say look i've got all these things do they have to be hot belong to a group no not necessarily we're very grateful for any donations and we never refuse anything because we can always find a use for it and so we're very appreciative of anything that's that's forthcoming is it hard to get a group going to to raise funds for any organization It depends. Um, I've found, now tomorrow I'm going to uh, a group fundraising effort and they are a a subgroup of ours, they belong to the the kids club, Mm. but they're called the KCs and they work specifically for the children with cancer. And they started off because uh, originally about 10 years ago, um, when the telethon was on, and they d- decided they just wanted to have a little fun time together to raise money for the telethon. When they found that the telethon um, had so much money, they said, We'd like to give it to the, the to benefit the children in mm. the actual children. Is there any group? So they asked me and I was able to put them in touch with the kids club because they will just raise money specifically for children with cancer. And we respect that that money is um, put aside for them so that and at the moment there's an enormous project on that uh, they're helping to raise Funds for, and uh, it started off with $1,000 10 years ago. And last Christmas, they gave me a cheque for $24,000. And they just have fun. The essence I feel is the minute you take FUN out of fundraising, then it's a lost cause. Mm. Mm.
1: But they do that. So,
2: Freddie, these smaller groups would
0: they benefit by being, or do they have to be, part of UHA?
1: No, it isn't necessary. Mm. But I think that the main thing to remember is that all donations go into their own local hospital. And I think this is why people are very generous with the kids club, for instance. Mm. Uh, They know where their money is going and and, uh, it's a good protection and it works extremely well. And also, Margaret was a little bit modest about the two auxiliaries at the John Hunter. They continually top the state as the fundraisers.
2: That's wonderful. Well done, <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not me. It's all the team who do it. the work. Yes. Have you any idea how many people work directly or indirectly for the kids' club? No, I've never sat down because it's amazing where people will come from. Could you use this wooden train perhaps for a raffle? And something that they've had and that it's or they've made, so we never know. It, it, it just keeps growing, and uh, we're always very appreciative. And I must say, on Freddie's behalf as well, as far as in the case of the lobbying the government with the UHA, they were main uh, body who lobbied the government for many years to get the EPTAS funding. Uh, and the radius reduced, and that's an example where it benefited not just our children receiving treatment at the John Hunter, but all patients. The EPTAST is the isolated patients transport accommodation assistance subsidy. That wouldn't have happened without the consistent effort at Conference of the UHA. So it's not just about fundraising, it's about making conditions and quality of life for the patients in all of the hospitals, whether they're children or adults. You two ladies astound
0: me, the work that you do, the effort that goes into it. So on behalf of the community, I'd like to say thank you very much. Thank you both for coming in and talking to me today. It's been uplifting that's the only word i can use for it and i hope that the people listening have got the same sort of feeling because it certainly comes across here in the studio my guests today have been mrs freddie bird regional representative for the hunter of united hospital auxiliary new south wales incorporated and mrs margaret McNaughton am patron of the john hunter children's kids club my thanks also to you the listener And I hope you've enjoyed the program too. And from all of us here, we wish you well.